Oasis. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. My name is Scott Allen, and I am the host of Phronesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. I am an Associate Professor of Management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, a speaker, a nonprofit founder, and the host of two podcasts. I'm also a husband and dad of three. You just heard from Kate, my daughter, who wrote and performed the Phronesis intro. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover timely, relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Now, I am proud to share that Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ilaglobalnetwork.org. If you like what we're up to, please click subscribe so you can stay up to date as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others. And now, today's show. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome to the Phronesis Podcast. Today, I am with Christy Navarro. Christy is at the University of California at Davis. She is the director at the Center for Leadership Learning at Cal Davis. And we've known each other, Christy, probably for a few years now Mm -hmm. through other circles. But today, we're going to talk about the National Leadership Symposium. And I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's an event I've never attended. And you just told me... (sighs) you've been attending since 2014. Absolutely, yes. So my first time having the NLS experience was back in 2014. And I was just so impacted by that experience that I attended every year um, and even, you know, now serving as co-chair. Yeah. Tell me about that first year. What was it? And what is it about this experience? I've never attended, as I said, it's always been Mm -hmm. on the radar, but I've never, I've never made it. And so tell me about what it was in that 2014 experience that kind of captured you. And then even, fostered a sense, at least eventually, for you to get involved and serve as co-chair. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. So with the National Leadership Symposium, it is very different. Um, It's not a conference, right? So it is a small cohort of leadership educators, like-minded, you know, folks from all around the nation that come together and have this intensive learning experience, dialogue, conversation around topics related to leadership. And so it was that intense experience having um, scholars and residents, you know, every year, it's a different theme every year and having access, that close access to these scholars, you know, to these practitioners, faculty, experts in the field, you know, to have that direct connection and ask questions and be able to work again in small groups and have those deeper conversations and exploration around topics that We all do get through a a traditional conference experience, but sometimes we're always so rushed, right, to go to one session, to go to the next session, or I want to meet up with this person or connect with that colleague. And with the symposium, because it's a cohort, a small group, you are there with three full days, you know, with these folks 
having these deeper conversations. And that is what impacted me um, so much that I, again, just committed to attending a symposium every single year. And then to get to that question about being a co-chair, you know, I mean, I, I was very flattered and felt honored to give back in this way, you know, Craig Slack, we all, most of us know, you know, good old Craig, you know, just kind of come me up one day and just said, Hey, you know, would you like to volunteer and um, serve as a co-chair? It is a two year position, of course, with now with COVID, I'm going to extend into a third year, but I was just so honored to just be able to give back. I'm able to see it from the participant view. And then also now, you know, the co-chair view of the preparation behind the scenes and working with the scholars and getting the schedule together. And so it's just been an amazing experience. So you said that it was a small cohort. Would you tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about that? And and I imagine over four days, you get to know some people pretty well. You build relationships. Definitely build relationships. Absolutely. So um, what's beautiful is, you know, the cohort, it is also an experience that I would recommend for maybe a more seasoned leadership educator, maybe a, a graduate student or a new professional. I mean, always welcome completely. But because it is a more of an intense conversation and experience and expectation too, you know, it's a definitely a hands-on experiential, you know, time that you have. So there are going to be projects or there will be maybe small group, you know, presentations. It just depends on the theme for the year. Yeah. Um, so that's why sometimes having a little bit more of experience might might be recommended. But, you know, having, again, a cohort of, you know, 40 to 50 folks that have similar experiences as you as being in higher ed, being involved in leadership education. I have met folks from, you know, smaller liberal arts colleges or folks like myself, you know, with at UC Davis, it's a public research, you know, one institution. And so it's just such a diverse collection community that is actually created in those three and a half days. And so that's, it's just such an amazing, different, impactful experience. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about the role of these? You've mentioned scholars and residents. So I know my, my friend, Tony Middlebrooks is one of those scholars and residents this coming year. That's really how we got, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a clear understanding of what their role is. And, and, and maybe does their role shift every year, depending on the topic? Roles do shift a little bit. You're right. It depends on the theme and the topic that we're tackling. What I've seen consistently over the years with the scholars is, you know, they're bringing their area of expertise, their area of research, you know, their area of experience and, you know, also personal experience, personal lived experiences to the table. Scholars are infused. They're there, you know, to help drive the content, to help drive the conversation, the dialogue, guide, again, the participants, those that are in attendance through that conversation that we're having. For instance, for this year, so we have three outstanding, phenomenal scholars, um, Dr. V. Chenu, um, as you mentioned, Anthony or Tony Middlebrooks with the University of Delaware. And we also have Nyasha Guramantun Cooper, who is um, with Our Lady of the Lake that is joining us. And so again, three very diverse voices, diverse areas of expertise around culturally relevant leadership, identifying our own positionality and how our own identity influences our work as leadership educators. And then Tony Middlebrooks, you know, he will be bringing in some of his experience around design thinking. And so we we have that. Then this year is just an example. But, you know, every year it's just amazing the synergy 
that is created among the visiting scholars, you know, or the resident scholars, as we call them. And the synergy that happens, again, around just these topics that we want to dig deeper into. So how does that work? Is is it the co-chairs that work with Craig? Or I know Craig is now retiring. Is it the mm-hmm. co-chairs that help identify the topic or the theme for the year? How does that mm-hmm. how does that unfold? Yeah, so there is a planning a planning team that does incorporate the co-chairs and now, you know, yes, as you said, Craig is retiring when we were in person, you know, the site coordinator. And so we come together as just a small planning team and start thinking about what are some um topics again, or maybe, you know, some kind of cutting edge, you know, forward thinking type of topics that we can, or that we need to discuss within our field. And so from there is when we start thinking about, okay, well, who is in our networks or who may be, you know, putting out some current research or maybe has written, you know, this fabulous new book that fits the topic of what we want to explore. And so it's, and it's usually historically, again, Craig, you know, she's so well networked that he seems to know everyone in our field. And so it's been very nice, you know, that connection to start reaching out, you know, to these scholars. And so it's, it's a lot of time, you know, that the scholars do um, volunteer for, you know, and step into that role as we do have many planning meetings, you know, on a monthly basis and all of those types of details. But again, everyone is just, usually so passionate around that year's theme and is just so just there's so much synergy right that that occurs that we all come together and just organically create you know this very immersive impactful experience you know for the participants this year the experience is virtual correct Yes, we are. Last year we went virtual and uh, this year we're going to need to be virtual again. We're hoping in 2022, we will back be back at the University of Tampa, which is a, a common location. Um, the symposium over the years has moved around a bit yeah. around um, around the nation. I do hope one day that y'all come out to UC Davis, but that's another <laughs> conversation. Um, so in 2022, we will be in person, but for this year, we, we need to be virtual. And so the Symposium will be July 12th through July 14th this year. And our topic is uh, Disruption by Design, co-creating our approach to leadership education. Tony and I worked on a, we're we're working on the second edition of that textbook that's, he's taken leadership principles and really provided this beautiful design frame to the whole conversation. And Mm -hmm. so I I love that phrasing. I love that title. That's a Mm -hmm. really, really cool title of an experience. As listeners are experiencing this podcast, they can still, they still have time to register. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yes, there is. Um, because the symposium is an intensive cohort-based experience. Um, and when I mean intensive, there's going to be some reading and some work that you, that you need to do, right? There are some pre-readings that the scholars have identified. It's not to the degree where you'll, you'll, you will feel that you're back in like graduate school or like working towards your PhD. <laughs> so there won't be that intense, but you know, there will be a, full, a few articles. We are getting a little creative. The scholars have recorded their own um, video of their their biography. And so you'll need to watch that. So there's some preparatory work. So we are recommending that, you know, if anyone's interested to try and register by July 1, July 2. But of course, you know, if you register the day before, completely fine. Since we're virtual, we can be much more flexible with that. But just know that there's going to be projects that you'll be working on as well to really dig deeper and figuring out how you can redesign 
a program or a set curriculum, an activity that you have to really look at, again, through that lens of um, positionality, identity, culturally relevant leadership, being more, again, broad and intentional on how we are serving all students, Mm. all students from all diverse backgrounds. Mm. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about that topic. What are some of your perspectives on that topic, Christy? What do you think? I appreciate that question. and Thank you, because this is an area that I'm very passionate about, of bringing in diverse voices um, to the table in our field. I think that there's been a lack of the opportunity for scholars from different backgrounds, different lived experiences, um, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color quite often aren't brought to the table, or especially when it's um, trying to push and advance our conversations around what leadership is and how we define leadership. What are those skills, you know, the knowledge base that we look to teach, you know, students, but then how those skill sets and that knowledge is often rooted in within the dominant culture and what that looks like. And so I think for me personally, this is just, you know, Christy speaking that I I see our field can do a much better job at that. And with the experience that we all have gone through collectively together with the pandemic, with the increase in a long time conversation around you know, equity and racial justice, social justice. I feel that what we've seen in 2020, we can't go back to what we were doing in in 2019, right? And so, you know, this is me just humbly trying to put that idea out there for our field of how is it that we are going to adjust, shift, and change to ensure that we are representing, hearing, and inviting all communities to the table. And and so again, one way that we're going to try and start that conversation is with this year's theme in um, with with the symposium. Want to challenge participants to examine their own positionality and their own identity and how it impacts their work as leadership educators. We want to engage in that deeper reflection to disrupt those normative thoughts and traditional views of leadership and how we can expand that, want to intentionally create inclusive learning opportunities. And so these are some of the areas, again, that we want to have that deeper conversation within the symposium that the symposium is known for, right? The symposium is known for, again, that more intimate, um, intense experience among leadership educators. Well, it makes me, it makes it two things. About three years ago now, I had a student, her name was Sarah, and this is in a graduate program. And this is towards the beginning of the semester. And it was a leadership course. And in this, the context of this class, we had a lot of accountants. So a goal of mine was to get some accountants to the room to help the, the accounting students understand why this topic of leadership is so incredibly important to them. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up that there's kind of four white men sitting up there at the front of the class. And, and Sarah walked up to me afterwards and she said, you know, this was great. I enjoyed it. And I learned. And it was also just like every other, in my case, John Carroll experience that I've had as an undergraduate that like once again, it's just everyone up there not looking like me. And it would be wonderful if we could have 
some other perspectives. And that just has stuck with me. It, it yes. has just stuck with me. So there's, there, there's that dimension that was just a, I will forever remember Sarah's name. And every time I'm planning something, her voice is in my head. And then a second experience I had at ILA in Ottawa. This is a couple of years ago, International mm-hmm. Leadership Association Conference. A young graduate student wanted to have a conversation with me. And so we set up a time to have coffee. And she was in graduate school and she was of Asian descent. And she made a comment to me that said, she suggested that a lot of the type of programming we do turns her peers off. Mm, yes. And again, something that will always just stick with me. And so we we got into the conversation a little bit and I probed a little bit. It, it wasn't too in depth, but that was so interesting. That was so fascinating to me that I was completely oblivious to that perspective. How wait, how how would our mm-hmm. how would even how we design our programs ever turn people off? Well, they totally require you to be extroverted for <laughs> three days sometimes, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but those two experiences really in a very interesting way have just stuck with me. And, yeah. and I think it's an it's an important conversation because at times I'm just not even aware and mm-hmm. I need to be. Mm-hmm. And being more intentional sometimes about what we're putting into motion and and becoming more aware of our own blind spots and opportunities to create more inclusive environments. It's important. It just is. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing, you know, those two stories. That, that's just beautiful. And that's exactly what to convey is that we need to really stop and think and be very uh, reflective and critical. And that's sometimes a hard thing, you know, to do, you know, we all, I think have our, we all meaning, you know, leadership educators specifically, you know, in this context, we're all well-intentioned, right. But we really need to stop and think about what is it that we are not only creating, and also teaching. I know we, you know, at least in circles that I'm in, you know, we talk a lot about access and yes, you know, how do we provide access for, you know, many communities on our campus? And yes, UC Davis is, is a fairly, you know, diverse campus, yeah. but I also, it's my responsibility to think about, well, if students, even from my own community as, you know, a Latina are not coming to our programs as often as maybe as another community, is there something that I am doing wrong? in that. And I think it's, again, not just about having those diverse students just represented participating in our programs, but really thinking about what is it, again, I call it like those messages, you know, that content, or who am I bringing and inviting as guest speakers, as folks that I am saying, you know, hey, this is a very experienced, knowledgeable leader for what they've accomplished or their lived experience. And so I really need to think about as a leadership educator, um, just as you share, you know, of what, again, are we putting forward? And in regards to, again, having those diverse voices, having those diverse perspectives, and also with what I'm creating with our curricula and, you know, our assessment of being very adamant about leadership, you know, even though we say, right, that leadership is, does not look one way, or there's not one way, one right way to be a leader. Sometimes with that curricula, or again, those measurements, we fall into that because we're looking and we're trying to check off this skill, or they demonstrated this ability, 
But we also need to stop and think about who is setting those standards? Mm-hmm. Who is establishing that? Yeah. Where is that coming from? Because there could be a student of color who may be demonstrating what we, we think that leadership is, but because it doesn't look in a certain way that we think it's supposed to look, then we dismiss that. Yeah. Then we, we, or we miss it. Yep. And so I think, you know, having these more, again, deeper, critical conversations around this is just so, it's a long time coming. And I think it's, it's something that we need to have, to have start having more frequently and with more people. But I think, again, with what we've all experienced in 2020, now I think more people are aware, have their eyes open. And I think this is a perfect opportunity, right, to start advancing our field a little bit more in this regard. It's very, very well said. And there's a, there's a book. So Christy, this reminds me of a quote from Stephanie Johnson in a paper that she wrote in a book called What's Wrong with Leadership? Uh, the data used to derive most leadership theories and recommendations was collected by male researchers from male leaders, and it was analyzed and interpreted by mostly male scientists. And we could also just say white male there <laughs> if we're going to be exactly. totally, yes. totally transparent <laughs> with what's going on. Exactly. Absolutely. And 100%. There's been, you know, more discussion, I feel, especially with the work uh, by John Dugan about deconstructing leadership theory. And so I think, again, with his work, with the work that you just shared, Stephanie Johnson. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's, it hits the nail, you know, right on the head. Um, We really need to have those deeper conversations and take a step back and be willing to do that. You know, and, yep. and you, I've noticed that you have said, you know, a few times, like I've been blind to this, or I didn't realize this. And that is a wonderful thing to hear for, you know, from you, Scott, you know, mm. I, I, I want to thank you and commend you for that because it starts with that recognition and taking ownership and yep. recognizing that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a bad leadership educator. You know, you have that awareness. And now, most importantly, what am I going to do from now? You know, that conversation with Sarah, with Sarah, you know, changed you. That other, you know, conversations that you shared, take that and you think about what can I do differently? Yep. And, and I think that's what we all need to be doing. Exactly. We are all... Yeah. Every one of us works in progress that uh, yes. have great strengths and, and areas of growth and development. And well, I'm, I'm so excited that you all are creating this space and I, I will be excited to hear how this year's experience goes. I, I think mm-hmm. it's just a wonderful cast of scholars, resident scholars, yes. like you said. And, and I also love that framing of design because I think it does require some design. When I think of the word design, I think of intentionality. I think about expertise mm-hmm. and looking at options. And all too often, at least in, in, in my past, I haven't been intentional or haven't designed in certain ways. So I think for every one of us, there's a wonderful opportunity there. So Christy, anything you've been reading or listening to or streaming or watching that's caught your eye in the last few few months that you want listeners to know about could have something to do about leadership or could just be something totally different? (laughs) Well, um, you know, I have been uh, doing a lot of reading. So um, some books, you know, that I've been reading, um, The Purpose of Power 
How We Come Together When We Fall Apart by Alicia Garza, um, one of the co-founders of um, Black Lives Matter, of course, uh, Kathy Guthrie's and Carmen um, Beatty's uh, new book, Engaging the Leadership Process, Identity, Capacity, and Efficiency, or Efficiency. Efficacy, sorry, for college students. And so I've just been, you know, dabbling again into culturally relevant leadership and just really going through the process of re-examining, you know, my own positionality, um, my own lived experience, my own voice, and how that impacts the work that I do. That's right uh, where my my head has been. You are a lifelong learner. I am a lifelong mm-hmm. learner. Mm-hmm. Listeners, obviously, if you've made it this far, you are lifelong learners. <laughs> And that's a absolutely. great way to be. That's a great way yes, to be. Yes, absolutely. I will put information about the symposium in the show notes so listeners can find that there. And Christy, thank you so much for being with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the work that you do. And I look forward to our paths crossing soon. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much, Scott. My conversation with Christy really reminded me of a previous conversation. It may have been the second episode of Phrenesis, this whole series. And it was with John Worgen. And that that episode was titled, It Has to Be With Others. Part of our learning is about learning in community. And this experience, the NLS experience, provides learners, as Christy said, mid-career learners potentially, with an opportunity to learn, develop, and grow in community. So that as educators, we too are continuing to advance our own ways of knowing and ways of being when it comes to this topic of leadership. So check out the show notes, look at what they have going on this summer. It's an incredible program and I'm excited to hear how it goes. I want to say thank you to Christy for being with me today and everybody have a great day, no matter where you are in the world. And here's a challenge for you. Maybe that mentor, that individual that really made a difference in your life somewhere along the way, that person who had a conversation with you that was incredibly transformational, pop them a quick note, say thank you, ask them to have a great day, and let them know that they've made a difference in your life. Be well. You, my friend, have just finished another episode of Phrenesis Practical Wisdom for Leaders. To get in touch with me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Now, if you have feedback, I would love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Phrenesis. If you like Phrenesis, I have a second podcast. It's called the Captovation Podcast. That's with an O, Captovation podcast, where I speak with experts on the topic of designing and delivering incredible presentations. And now, Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.